Hello, everyone. My name is Michelle McKenzie, and I'm the host of the Where's the Funding podcast, a platform to demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding, particularly for Black entrepreneurs globally. But today's conversation is a little bit beyond funding. My guest today is Nikki Anani, and she is a speaker, author, and consultant to next gens that seek to lead their family businesses. She helps next gens rise above operations into non-executive board role with credibility so that they're able to lead and formulate a plan to future-proof the business, becoming more effective change agents. Nikki fuses her inside experience as a next-gen executive in her family's enterprise. So Nikki, tell us all about what you do as a next-gen consultant and how you got into, into this. Like, mm -hmm. I know you have a family business, so mm -hmm. it's sort of born from your personal experience. So just walk us through this process about succession planning and next-gen um, CEOs or, or executives in a family business. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll start with my story because that's really, that led to what I do today. So I am a second-generation business owner. My family business is in Lagos, in Nigeria, all the way in Africa, in the construction space. My father started off our business the year I was born. So entrepreneurship has been all around me all my life. And um, I went to university in London and I studied economics. After that, I worked in corporate for a few years in Deloitte in accountancy. But it wasn't really my jam. It wasn't my passion. And I found myself wanting to come back to Lagos, Nigeria to just have an exposure to entrepreneurship to discover what my passion truly was. So the plan was to come back for three months and it ended up being a whole decade, 10 years, back in Lagos, Nigeria, um, working in the family enterprise. So I rose up and became a director of our construction business, our engineering business and our real estate development company. And so it was really from my inside experience as a next gen, next generation, um, it's what next gen stands for. Um, my father, like I said, was a founder of a business and my integration was, was, it was fun. I absolutely loved working in the family business, but it wasn't easy. I found that it was a very lonely place trying to find my voice. What was so lonely about it? The loneliness was there was no community. I didn't know anyone else that was in the position that I was in. The second piece was the dominance of my father. It was his business that he, you know, developed since I was born. So he, it was literally his baby and he held it very, very closely and was very difficult to make a stamp. And then really just, you know, as a young female, having to lead folks that were much older than myself, almost my parents' age, in a culture that placed such a huge premium on age and respect, I found that extremely lonely. And then trying to learn how to build a legacy business, legacy wealth, a business that would outlive not just my father, but even my myself. But I had no examples on the continent in Africa, no examples of black business owners that had built successful multi-generational businesses. So that was, for all those reasons, it was very lonely. And so I found myself having to train up as a consultant, having to learn, you know, the art and science of family business, 
I joined Family Firm Institute in Boston and became certified with them as a family wealth and family business advisor and started to apply the, the lessons on succession planning, family governance to our enterprise and soon started serving other families on the continent. So, so yeah, I mean, today, flash forward, this is now three and a half years later into my journey as an advisor. I'm now based in Austin, Texas in the US and um, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, helping is extremely rewarding, helping folks on path from, move from lifetime like to legacy. Um, and it's not just about the financial security for the family, you know, it's also about the surrounding ecosystem and the impact it makes in, you know, the employees, the suppliers, and also communities. Um, as families, you know, are able to sustain wealth and sustain businesses for generations, it leaves a huge impact. Families are able to have transformational legacies as well as leave a legacy of transformation. So I would like to let the listeners know that, you know, if you have any questions while we're having this conversation, feel free to direct message me those questions. And if you feel confident, you can um, get on the panel and ask that question directly. I'm going to ask Mike a few more questions and then I'll give a little pause and allow the audience to ask some questions. So Mike, my next question for you, what are some of the biggest challenges that family businesses face? When, when do they call you? When do they come to you? Some of the biggest challenges they face are that they, they don't know what to do next. They buy into this vision of building a multi-generational business, but find themselves um, stuck with family, dysfunctional family dynamics that really stop this whole process from going forward. I'm usually pulled in the room when there's conflict, <laughs> when siblings are fighting and squabbling, when father and son or mother and daughter are unable to collaborate and um, you know communicate effectively. That's usually when I'm pulled in the room, but that's not necessarily the most effective or the optimal time to be pulled in the room. We really wanna be planning ahead of the succession event, which is unfortunately the passing of the founder um, we want to do this in a very orderly fashion because um, it takes time to build, to, to, to come up with these long-term plans. It takes time to groom the next generation into leaders, to groom them into visionaries. It takes time for siblings because they're the future. It moves from being led by an individual to being led collectively by a sibling team. It takes time for siblings to get used to working together, understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses, and ironing out any family personal dynamics that might hinder that from their, hinder their collaboration in the enterprise. So ideally, we want to be working on succession ahead of time. Yeah. I'd like to know from the audience, is anyone in the audience a part of a sort of a family business and have had um, any of these challenges with succession planning and being a next gen? If so, feel free to come on up and let me know and what's been your experience. WTF listeners, have you ever listened to an episode and felt like you wanted more or felt like there was a question that I didn't ask? 
that you want to know more about? I'm starting a listener community so that you get to ask guest questions about things that you want to learn more about. Some of you might not know this, but I spent 10 years at a foundation selecting and awarding grants. And during that time, I noted some key mistakes that grant applicants make repeatedly. Earlier this year, I co-created a grant writing course based on my observations to add value and help business and social entrepreneurs like you learn key grant writing skills to help you move from rejection to acceptance by increasing your chances of winning grants to launch or grow your businesses. When you join my community, you get the following. Two months free access from the time you sign up to my grant writing course, a $220 value. The course includes six individual modules that will walk you through grant writing, grant review, and the post-award process. You also get notice of funding opportunities to apply before grant deadlines close. You get discount access on new courses when they are launched and the opportunity to beta test courses before they're launched. You also get access to master classes where lots of knowledge gems will be dropped. If there are topics that you are interested in learning more about, let us know and we will find a speaker who can come to the community and address those questions for you. What are you waiting for? Join now. Use the link in the show notes or visit agazella.com to sign up. So, Nikki, what are some of the impacts of lack of succession planning that you've seen? I've seen, unfortunately, the worst case scenario is where the founder passes away and the business packs up because there's been no plan for the future. I mean, no one gets in the car and has, you know, no clarity of where they're heading towards and or even might know they have a destination but have no plan without knowing the route they're going to take, right? So failing to plan is planning to fail. Not only does it lead to the pack up, the business, you know, not succeeding for a generation and usually this leads to a loss of value, right? Um, loss of potential wealth that would have stayed in the family but also usually this has huge ramifications for the personal dynamics and the family relationships usually this leads to huge conflict um, unresolved issues within the family families are unable to meet together for Thanksgiving or for Christmas um, and it really pulls family apart so it's it's really sad. I've seen this very closely. A friend of mine, um, her father passed away when he was in his mid-50s. He had, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And from diagnosis to being put six foot under, it was five months. And my friend was in early 20s at the time. She just started her career. Um, she graduated from university two years before that. She had two younger sisters and her mum was a housewife and really didn't understand the business, couldn't even describe it in more than two sentences. And so when he passed away, the business within six months literally just came to uh, um, crashing down. And fortunately in this case, I mean, she was financially independent and able to kind of shoulder the responsibility 
Um, there was no life insurance. There was no wills. It was just all a mess. Um, and also, fortunately, the the family, the surviving family, herself and her siblings, were able to cultivate cohesion and um, stay in a healthy um, as a healthy family. But you can see the disastrous effect this can have on on families, on the business, which employed at the time there were 120 employees, 120 <laughs> employees having to find a new source of livelihood, a business that was providing a service and adding value to a community of customers, right? Um, suppliers that also had become accustomed to being patronized by this business, a community. He was really active in his local community. So he was a philanthropist as well. So the, the, the demise of the business is beyond what meets the eye. It has huge ramifications to the family, the employee, the ecosystem, and to the community. Now, so besides that experience with your friend, how often does this happen in your experience? Where the founder passes on, there is no succession plan in place, and the business goes under. In the black community, um, in the African community, it's 98% of the time. That's high. Pretty damn high. It's, in other communities, it's 66. That's still high. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why, why aren't people making these types of plans? What's I the barrier? Is it, a, is it around sort of mortality? That if you make plans, you're sort of seeing yourself come into the end of your yes, life. For sure. I think culturally there's that kind of stigma in the black community that if you talk about it, you're evoking death upon yourself. So it's improper to, to talk about death. Um, and so that's for those that are on the other side, like the next generation, non-family staff, the advisors. It's quite awkward. How do you bring up this topic of death? And then on the side of the founder, um, there's a huge fear of mortality. Um, so it's almost a denial. Um, there's a fear of letting go. There's an identity wrapped up in this business that you've cultivated from inception. It's like your baby. And actually science has shown that um, when we say a, a business is a baby, it's, it's, it's not just a metaphor. It's actually proven in science that the same pathways in the brain that light up when a parent thinks of their baby are the same pathways that light up when an entrepreneur thinks of their business. So letting go um, and the thought of putting in a plan, which means divorcing self from the business, is emotionally quite um it's 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 distraught it, it's it's a lot of anxiety for for folks so there's a lot of um resistance to overcome and that's not to say it's impossible to it just takes reframing it takes hand-holding the founder with empathy to say yes this is a very difficult season of life that you're going through and a lot of people are just rushing you through it like it's a transaction it's not a transaction it's a transition and so how can we reframe this so that you can see the positive effects of you moving from being so pivotal to the daily running of the business to now elevating up towards legacy planning? So transition planning isn't always about, okay, I'm coming to the end of my road. What if the founder just wants to go, well, I've done this. 
I want to go do something else. Let me turn it over. Is that sometimes the condition under which these types of plans go into place? Or is not enough of that sort of planning going on? I think that's, I, we're starting to see that with the younger generation of um, entrepreneurs. I think it's like, it's more the norm now to expect that you build a business, you sell it, or you sell down, you, you invite a trade player to come in, and there's less of this kind of um, em enmeshment of like identity in a business. Whereas with the older generation, that wasn't necessarily an expectation, it was your business. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's increased awareness for sure that you know a transition doesn't necessarily have to happen with retirement or with the end of your life, you can transition onto other things and you can actually be multi-passionate, right? For a season of your life, you could have been the operator of the business. And then there comes okay. to another season where you might be a prolific investor or a, a philanthropist or, you know, um, get involved in civic relations in politics and what have you. Um, you don't, your, your identity does not necessarily have to be measured by your business activity. So when you get the call and when you walk through the door, walk us through what that process is like and how is it for you? Like what kind of reception do you get? Because it can't be easy. It, it depends, right? So sometimes it's just the next gen that calls me is like, you know what, well, I need some help. I need to build my confidence in becoming the next CEO. So can you coach me through that? Let's come up with a development plan and an implementation for that. So that entails mindset, strategy, and execution. That's relatively, it's simpler because it's one-on-one. -on -one. Um, in other instances, it's I'm pulled into the room by a family member that's seeing this dysfunctional family dynamics that's stopping the succession planning. And it's, or come in and love for you to put together a succession plan together. Um, and in that instance, it gets a bit more complicated because there's some family members that are like, yay, yeah, this is great. You're the hero. Yeah, we need a succession plan. But there's others that might be having resistance because they might not want to acknowledge and address the fact that the matriarch or the patriarch is going to pass away. And sometimes that's the matriarch and the patriarch themselves. Um, so... It, but that's not to say it's not possible to overcome that, right? Like I said, it's approaching with empathy, um, fostering psychological safety, developing emotional proximity, um, and getting to really deeply understand people's perspectives. Um, there's a place for group facilitation. It um, almost sounds like corporate group therapy. Girl, it is. <laughs> that's what I say I am. I say I'm a... Therapists with business experience. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Sometimes you might need to pull and focus on Michelle because Michelle has some trauma and um, that's stopping her from participating and getting involved in the succession planning. Um, sometimes then you can go back to the group and what do we all want? Where's this all heading? And what are our respective roles and responsibilities in this whole process? It really depends um, because no family is the same. All our families are dysfunctional, um, word out there, right? Um, <laughs> despite what we all, you know, and a lot of the time we can feel shame towards that. Um, we all have dirty laundry. Um, it's not nice and tidy. 
and opening up to someone that understands and gets it and has the tools to navigate all that so you can walk away with peace of mind knowing that there's a plan for this business to outlive us and we won't be exposed and be naked so we know that the next generation have access to their basic needs and that they can use this as a platform to soar to make a great impact on the world that so desperately needs them. So let's take it back a little bit to your family situation that was the genesis of this. So what's the succession plan for your family business? Mm -hmm. Because you're not, you're not in the business anymore. No, I'm not in the business anymore, but I, I work on the business. And as you move from first gen to second gen, that's, there needs to be a pivot away from working in the business to working on the business. On Explain to us the difference. So when you're working in the business, you are needed so the business keeps going. You're like an operator of a machine. Without being at that machine and turning the wheels, the machine won't move. When you're working on the business, you're the visionary, you're the, um, you're the, you're the um, ideator, you are the one that designs the frameworks and the processes to ensure that this machine works outside of you. So you don't necessarily need to be turning the key, but you need to be directing the resources to ensure that everything works better together. So as when you're working on the business, you're working on strategic matters, so strategic decision-making, people decisions, investment decisions, culture. Um, so being an owner in a family business context is not like owning shares in Amazon or Tesla. It's not passive. It's still relatively active, but it doesn't mean that the business won't run outside of you. So our succession, we've done a lot of work on our succession plan. Um, myself and my brothers have constituted the family council. Um, and it's the family council that takes strategic decisions on the family business and also the family investments. So what investments, what industries we're moving into? What's the wider strategy for that? What's the investment um, policies, the risk management policies, which advisors are we going to bring on board? Um, the next generation education, um, what events are we going to have as a family? What learning events do we need to have? So we go through all that. In terms of the operating business, the plan is to sell. Um, so we've already started doing a lot of the corporate governance work. Um, a lot of family businesses don't tend to think about corporate governance. And um, it's really important, especially when you're inviting a third party to take your business over. They won't take it over if they don't see um, a solid foundation. So a lot of the corporate governance work we started doing work on and things like that. And um, yeah, just building the business so it's a sustainable business that's not dependent on a personality, um, but really is an institution that can stand on its own. This type of work seems very well suited also for first-gen founders who are building their business from scratch. So do you also work with them as well? And how might that work look different than what you do with next-gen leaders? For sure. Um, I mean, when you're starting from inception, you have a different mindset, right? Um, but it's important. I often say that it's important from inception that you're building a sturdy foundation because it's much harder after the fact to retrofit the foundation when the building is, you know, uh -huh. turning on its side. So from inception, we're thinking legacy mindset. And legacy means something that will outlive you. 
how can you be the best ancestor for your future descendants, right? And in doing so, it's how can you build, there's a season as an entrepreneur where you, you are pivotal to the running of the business, but there's a season also where, like I said, you need to move from operator to owner. So how can you ensure that you're building a foundation which is scalable, which is it's, it's a solid business structure? So thinking very much about strategic human resources, not administrative. Um, thinking very much about culture. Thinking very much about sustainable finance and statement um, standard operating procedures and things of the like. Um, thinking very much about what is the long clarity of vision mission and conviction so where is all this heading um and you know how are we going to get there and what do we stand for as a family if you start with that from inception it becomes easier to rally everyone else along and for them to follow you on this journey of entrepreneurship because quite often what i find is flash forward 30 years i have founders that are like oh I want my son to take over, but he's not interested. So, well, you can't start having that conversation when you're ready to move on to greener pastures, right? Um, your son won't fall in love with what he doesn't know. And he won't fall in love with something just because he happens to be in the same room as it. He needs to understand the deeper purpose. He needs to, to understand the why, like Simon Sinek talks about all the time. We need to start with why, not start with how or start with what. So foundational as a, a first gener, you know, a founder, you're starting your journey and building your empire is gain clarity of vision, of mission, conviction. Start to invite other family members if you, you don't have kids of your own, you know, just or whomever um, to collectively deliberate on this. It's important that it, it's a collective vision, mission, conviction, not just dominated by one person. Yeah, so if there are any questions, now is a good time to go ahead and send those questions or come on the panel and ask your question. Nikkei, what skills are required to be an effective next-gen leader? Effective next-gen leaders um, have what I term as the four Cs. So first is um, conviction. So what do you what are you what's the deeper inner knowing for your reason of your being your life purpose and how does that fit into your family business right um miles monroe used to say before he passed away where purpose is not known abuse is inevitable so it's important to build on a foundation of purpose so you can understand what your conviction is the second one is curiosity so having a learner's mind that constantly pushes the envelope and someone that's curious is someone that's able to learn, unlearn and relearn. And that openness and that childlike mindset gives you, you're able to spot opportunity. The right? unlearning and the relearning part is important because unlearning is very hard for a lot of people. Yeah, because we are used to holding on to fixed ideas. It's easy to have to work by a framework and to, it's hard to always be, to adapt, to be agile, right? It really is hard work. Um, a third is courage. Obviously, that's what 
takes us away from ideating something to moving to take action, to um, be able to move from having a vision in your mind's eye to be able to bring it to reality in your physical eye. And it's when you're courageous, plus that curiosity and conviction that you're able to challenge assumptions, challenge perspectives and try new approaches. And the fourth is collaboration. Our world calls for a collaborative leadership. Um, when we move from the individual to the collective, so that not only it's not just about you, it's about everyone, where every stakeholder has buy-in and they take responsibility. And that only happens when we have collective vision, collective benefits, collective commitment. And there, people move from being just legal owners to being emotional owners, where they have a sense of belonging and they take true ownership and they seek to make um, an impact. So let's say there are some people who are listening right now who might be a part of a family business and might be connecting to some of the things that you're saying. Where can they find you? My website would be best, www.nikiaanani.com. And there you can just, my social links are there, so you can DM me or you can um, leave a message for me on my website. So... We're at the point where we're getting ready to close on this conversation. So if there are some questions, now is a good time for you to ask while Nike is still here. If you don't feel comfortable asking them out loud, please send me a DM and I'll ask that question to Nike. So Nike, now that you've relocated from Lagos to Austin, mm -hmm. Will that change anything in terms of how you operate? Not really. Interestingly, a lot of the issues family businesses face are universal. There's some cultural nuances, obviously, but a lot of the time family dynamics are universal. Um, and who, are I, I can... who, are your client, who are your client base and where are they located? Are they global or are they located in a particular geographic region? Mm -hmm. um, so historically, they've been... 80% African, of African origin. Um, and that's been on the continent, in the States, in the UK. Um, and they have businesses like construction, real estate, manufacturing. They're just family businesses looking to navigate transitioning from Gen 1 to Gen 2. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see that Amit has joined the panel. So let's hear his question. Mm hmm Hi, Michelle. Hi, Nika. Thanks, Hi. For, thanks for this session. So I had a quick question for you, Nika. You talked about having a family council and probably figuring out how and where the business is going. It should not be a one-man show. But what happens when the founder is still around? That That's really very difficult to get into it. If you are... Uh, uh, you are a successor, you know that you'll succeed him, but uh, how does that happen, establishing a family council when the founder is still around? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome question. That's a great question, because um, council committees and all this bureaucracy is not exactly the most exciting thing for founders, but it's focusing on the why, starting on the why. Um, a lot of the time, we're so quick to jump into the what and the how, um, that we don't articulate why this is important. So diving deep and looking to storytell the benefits of 
the councils, the committees, um, and how that ties into the founder's wishes and needs. So taking time to observe the founder, what are his or her top three hot buttons that keep them up at night and are their priorities? Chances are it might be different from yours. Um, and speaking, any proposition you're bringing to the table, highlighting how that impacts on those top three benefits um, so that they have buy-in for the family governance, whatever mechanism you choose to implement. Another thing I would say is it's really important to move from um, communicating as an individual to communicating as a collective. So it's important as siblings start to rally together start to form a common vision, a common mission, um, common values, so that you are communicating as a team. That really helps with influencing the founder. Um, So he or she doesn't feel like he's being criticized by just one child, um, but starts to wake up and think, ooh, they're all saying the same thing. Um, And in a very professional manner, highlighting, like I said, the benefits that are key, near and dear to their hearts. Um, so it's more influential. Do you have a follow-up question, Amit? Uh, no, I think I'm I'm just thinking on that, Nigel. Again, um, those all seem to be really deeper thoughts. Where, uh, where just the example which I'm taking and the question where it all arose from is my uncle. If we are talking about that. We've talked about w- what you think, and again, the, the, we run into issues where it's uh, you're talking about my death kind of a scenario. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's so, resistance there. Mm. And they've been, uh, he's been into, I, I guess, uh, very practical matters. It's never been thinking too far ahead in the game, it's always been getting things done rather than thinking about a strategy-wise uh, outlook. So so that, that's the thing. I think it, it becomes a bit difficult in uh, smaller businesses. Mm-hmm. I think it's a reframing. So there's a resistance to acknowledge mortality. And so it's really reframing away from... The, the language is really important. So not speaking to the negative, so what we stand to lose... Um, from not doing X, but starting to speak to the positive, what we stand to gain from doing Y. Um, That's one. Another is um, positioning the language again shouldn't be about your retirement, your exit, but really what's next for you. So he or she feels that they're being promoted to a new phase of life where They've done their piece. They're moving on from a boss to being a mentor. And they're able to pass down all this expertise and experience to the rising generation. And they have a new project or a new passion, a new, a new something else that they're moving on to. So it's a transitioning away from the business to um, greener pastures, so to speak. Um, and then sometimes this does require a therapist to come in. Um, sometimes this is not just surface level. This does require someone to come in to work one-on-one with the founder um, to deal with actually coming up with a very customized exit plan or transition plan. Um, a lot of folks resist retirement because they have a deep, deep fear of um, 
their mortality and that can be linked to trauma um so so sometimes it does require more um more deeper work awesome that's a great advice thank you you're welcome thanks amit thanks for asking those very critical questions yeah just that family um it's one of the most important institutions isn't it um um our family members are our nearest and dearest um question go ahead with it yeah so um yeah our families are really important to us and i think not this this whole process is not just important like i said for financial security for the business continuity but also for the vitality of our families and it takes time it takes intentionality and it takes practice so i would say start as early as possible it's never too early and it's never too late and thank you for joining and make sure that you listen to my podcast um the where's the funding podcast available on all platforms